All right. Well, if you want to grab a seat or if you're a child, remain standing and get the wiggles out. It's, uh, it's good to get the wiggles out. If you have the wiggles, if you're a child, even if you're not a child, if you're Vic, you can stand up and just get the wiggles out and just get them all out and just jiggle around and, and wiggle. All right. Well, uh, it's good to be with you guys. If this is your first time here, my name is Garrison and, and I'm one of the pastors here at Veritas Dayton. Um, if you are here this morning, you haven't been hit by the plague, which is good for you. I'm very glad that you are healthy and, um, and well and present this morning. Um, well, uh, we're going to dig into John 1, 1 through 18. If you want to open your Bibles to John 1, 1 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, there are uh, paperback, blue and white paperback Bibles in the back there. You can grab one of those. Uh, or if you have already grabbed one of those, you can turn to John 1, 1 through 18. Those are on page 517. That text is on page 517 in those Bibles. The book uh, of John, the reading this morning is from the, the Gospel according to John, the book of John, the Gospel according to John. Uh, it's not to be confused with John the Baptist, who was actually spoken about briefly in this text this morning. John, who authored the book, is different from the John who is mentioned in our passage this morning. So I just wanted to, to say that outright, just in case that might have been a little confusing for some of you. Uh, two different guys named John, uh, which is not hard to believe, obviously. We, we, you probably know more than one person named John. So there are two different guys named John. There's John the Apostle and John the Baptist here in John 1, 1 through 18. So let's dig in. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read, conclude uh, the reading of God's word with a word of thanksgiving, a word of worship. Uh, I will conclude with saying this is the word of the Lord, and we can all say collectively, thanks be to God. So let's listen to God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes before me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks 
We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. Because you have sent your son to save us. He has come incarnated in human vesture to be our perfect representative before you and your perfect representative to us. Perfect mediator. Truly God, truly man. Would you help us to believe it this morning? Would you help us to receive him and to trust in him this morning? Would you help us to be in awe of him this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, boys and girls. uh, Did you have a good Christmas, boys and girls? Did you have a good Christmas? Yes? All right. All right, well, I want to know if you had to pick... One absolutely favorite thing about Christmas, what would it be? Boys and girls, you can raise your hand and I'll call on you. If you had one absolute favorite thing about Christmas, what would it be? Katie? You got to open your presents. Presents are pretty cool, right? Yeah, presents are pretty cool. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lavinia? You got to open your presents too. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. How about you? Oh man, that sounds awesome. So cool. So cool. Well, you know, uh, there are lots of really fun things about Christmas, right? Presents are pretty fun. Presents are pretty cool. Spending time with family is good, right? You enjoy spending time with family, yeah? And do you get to eat good food too? You get to eat good food on Christmas. There are all sorts of really wonderful things about Christmas. But do you know why we do these sorts of things for Christmas? Do you know why it is that we celebrate Christmas every year? Well, what we celebrate on Christmas is we're celebrating what we call the incarnation. Can you all say incarnation? Incarnation. That's good. That's good. Well, that's a really long and fancy word, isn't it? But it's also a really important word. When we say incarnation, what we mean is this. The incarnation is that Jesus, who is God, came to save us. Jesus, who is God, came to save us. That's what we mean when we say incarnation. And that's what we're going to learn about as we look at John 1, 1 through 18 this morning. John 1 teaches us about the incarnation. Uh, And we're going to learn first about the miracle of the incarnation. Look at verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we see here that the Word was in the beginning with God, and that the Word is God. And that the word created everyone and everything that exists. And what does John mean when he says the word? What is John talking about? Well, we see here he's talking about a person. Because in verse 2, John calls the word he. And in verses 3 and 4, John calls the word him. And this person that John is talking about is the son of God himself. But boys and girls, when we start talking about God, we have a problem, don't we? We have a problem when we start talking about God. John speaks about this problem in verse 5. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
here's the problem. God is really good and we're really bad, aren't we? God is perfect and we are imperfect. God is, is light and we have darkness in us, don't we? We, we say mean things to others. We do bad things. We steal things from others. And, and sometimes we don't even know why we do these things. We hurt others. We don't treat others like we should treat them. And because God is so good and because we are so bad, our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with God is broken. People who are so bad can't be in a good relationship with God, a God who is so good. But God's goodness isn't just bad news. It's also good news. Because of God's goodness, he loves us so much that he came to make our relationship with him good again. John says so himself in verse 14 here. He says this, listen, the word that we are talking about, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Remember who the word is. The word is God himself, the son of God. And when John says that the word became flesh, what he means is that the word became a human being, just like you and just like me. He became a little baby and he grew up as a boy with a mama and papa, just like you. And he became, uh, uh, he had a family and he played games and he went to church and he grew up and, and had a job and he became just like you and just like me. And he did so in order to save us. He did so in order to make our relationship with God good again. And you know, it reminds me of something interesting I saw in some stories that I like to read. Do any of you like to read stories, boys and girls? Any of you like to read stories? Who likes to read? Okay. Well, uh, do, do any of you have a favorite book? Anyone? Katie, what's your favorite book? The Curtain and the Cross. That is a really good book. That's a really good book to like. That's good. Well, you know what, Katie? I have a book for you. Uh, if you come see me after service, I have a book for you, okay? All right. Well, uh, I actually uh, really like this one book by this lady named Dorothy Sayers. Or it's a series of books, really. Um, her name is Dorothy Sayers, and she's really, really smart. And uh, she wrote a bunch of books about a made-up man named Lord Peter. And uh, she wrote a lot of books about Lord Peter, and they were mystery stories. Lord Peter, he would solve mysteries about crimes and about missing items and all sorts of stuff. And he's a pretty funny guy. Lord Peter was kind of like Sherlock Holmes or Scooby-Doo or something like that. Uh, and he's, he's kind of funny. And you know what? Dorothy Sayers, she wrote a lot of books about Lord Peter. And as she wrote these books about Lord Peter, she started to kind of like him. And then as she wrote more books about Lord Peter, she started to really, really like Lord Peter. And then as she wrote more books and more stories about Lord Peter, she actually fell in love with Lord Peter. And so you know what she did? She wrote herself into these stories about Lord Peter as a woman named Harriet Vane. She wrote herself into the story. And Harriet Vane has a similar history. And when she describes what Harriet Vane looks like, Harriet Vane looks a lot like Dorothy Sayers. And Harriet Vane is Dorothy Sayers. So you see what happened? She fell in love with Lord Peter. She loved him so much that she actually wrote herself into the story. And that's kind of what the incarnation is like. God is telling a big, big, great story with our lives. And he loves us so much that when we ran away from him 
And we loved darkness instead of light. He actually wrote himself into the story. He wrote himself into our story in order to save us, in order to come to us and to make us his own. Well, that's the miracle of the incarnation. Now, what difference does that make? What does that mean for us? Uh, Well, next we see the meaning of the incarnation. We see what the incarnation means for us in verses 9 through 17 and, and in verse 18 as well. We see first in verses 9 to 17, we see that the incarnation means that we can become God's children. And in verse 18, we see that the incarnation means that we can know God. Look at verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then down to verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In short, here's what John is saying. The incarnation means that we don't need to work our way up to God. Rather, he comes down to us. God comes down to us. We don't have to do anything. We can't do anything to earn or deserve God's love or to earn or deserve his forgiveness. But he loves us simply because of who he is. And he forgives us because of Jesus. That's the good news. But, but here's the thing. You have to receive Jesus and trust in him. You, you can't just assume that because your parents have received and trusted in Jesus, that you too are a child of God. You have to receive and trust in Jesus personally. You, you, but if you have received and trusted in Jesus, then you are God's child. He calls you his son or his daughter. And so boys and girls, that means that throughout your life, You don't ever have to wonder if there's a place for you to belong because you belong to God and to his family, the church. That means that you don't ever have to wonder if there's someone out there that really loves you because God loves you with an everlasting, never giving up kind of love. He loves you forever and his love will never fail. And he's proved it by Jesus coming down and becoming like us so that he can die for us on the cross and rise again three days later. He did that because he's creating a family of forgiven people who can spend eternity with him. And next we see that the incarnation means that we can know God. And verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. You see, Jesus is exactly like God. Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. John 14, 9, Jesus says, anyone who has seen him has seen the father. In other words, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know God, all you have to do is look to Jesus. Jesus is kind. He's gracious. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's patient. He's joyful. He's compassionate. So you know what that means? That means that God is kind. God is gracious, God is loving, patient, joyful, compassionate, since Jesus is the exact representation of God's character. You know, my family comes from southeastern Kentucky, and uh, there are all sorts of funny sayings that people from that part of the country use, and some of which are not appropriate, therefore I won't be sharing this morning. Uh, But there's one that's interesting. Uh, uh, It's kind of funny. Whenever our relatives from that part of the country would see me growing up, uh, they would say, well, that boy's a, a spitting image of, of Brenda. 
and Brenda's my mom, uh, and, and I look a lot like her. I look a lot like her. Therefore, I am a spitting image of Brenda. Well, if we were to paraphrase verse 18 here into Kentucky, or Appalachian rather, it would simply say Jesus is the spitting image of God. Through Jesus, we are saved, and through Jesus, we know God because he is the exact representation of what God is like. And that brings us to our last point here that I'd like us to, to think about what it means to mimic the incarnation. You know, boys and girls, Jesus calls those of us who, who have received him to represent him, uh, sort of like he represents God to us. He calls us to be the spitting image of him. He calls us to mimic him. To mimic means to, to imitate someone, to be like them. We're called to imitate Jesus and to be like him. In fact, Jesus even says to his church, In John 20, 21, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you, which means that like Jesus was sent into the world by God the Father, he sends his people into the world. Just like Jesus was sent to represent God to us, we are sent to represent Jesus to others. If you've received and trusted in Jesus, you are called to represent Jesus to your mom and your dad. You're called to represent Jesus to your brothers and your sisters and to your friends at church and school and to your neighbors and your neighborhood. And you might be wondering, well, how can I do that? Well, you know what? You can represent Jesus well by serving others. Now, Jesus himself said in Mark 10, 45, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for men. Isn't that amazing? That God himself has come to us not to be served, but he came to serve us. He came not, not to be served, but to serve. And you know what else? The Apostle Paul tells us, tells Christians in another book of the Bible called Philippians, to think and act in that very same way. He says in Philippians 2, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God, He did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. He's saying that we should think and act like Jesus thought and acted when he became a human being. We should think about others more than ourselves. We should serve others. We should help others because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And because he's been so good to us, we should think and act in the very same way toward others. That means that you should help your mom and dad around the house and help them by cleaning up and cleaning up your own messes and cleaning up after your brothers and sisters and cleaning up even after your mom and dad because they can be messy sometimes too, huh? That means that you should help with dinner. That means that you should help your brothers and sisters when they're sad and need help. You should pray for your neighbors and tell them about Jesus. Uh, You should, when you see people who are sad or suffering or people who are sick, you should talk to them and listen to them and, and pray for them. You should serve because we have been so wonderfully served by Jesus. Jesus, who is God, came as a human to save us. And because of that, we don't have to earn or deserve a good relationship with God. We can't earn or deserve a good relationship with God. But Jesus came down to save us from our sins and our darkness and to help us know God. Now we should serve others to help them know Jesus too. That's what we see in John 1, 1 through 18 here. Let's pray and we'll take a few moments for silent reflection before communion.
Father, we give you thanks that Christ has come to save us, to help us know you. We pray that as we go, as we prepare to go from here, that you would form our hearts, form our affections, form our minds, form our, our wills to be in accordance with your will, to be in accordance with what you've told us in your word. Help us to serve others, to, to represent Jesus well to others, and to trust in him, to receive him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a few moments for silent reflection before the Lord's Supper. Well, what we celebrate at the table is kind of like what we celebrate during Christmas time, that God is with us. Jesus is our Emmanuel. And this meal is a, a celebration and a participation in that reality that Jesus is God with us. He is present here by his spirit. He's present here as we observe this meal. He's present here in order to make us more and more like himself. And so uh, that's what we celebrate this morning. That's what we, we look to Jesus this morning. We look to him and remember that his body was broken for us on the cross, that he took on a human body and that that body experienced brokenness, bruising, bleeding. We, we remember that his blood was shed for us. We remember that, that he, he was pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. We remember that because of Jesus, we are welcomed into the presence of God forever and that nothing can ever take that away. So if you believe that, if, that's, uh, if you believe that good news, the gospel, uh, we, we invite you to come and receive the Lord's table this morning. If you don't believe that, and if you haven't expressed belief in that reality through baptism, uh, we ask that you not come forward this morning, but that you simply stay in your seat and think about and pray about what's going on here. Consider what's going on here. And if you have any questions or you want to talk with someone, please come talk with me or another leader you've seen up here this morning. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. If you don't have time this morning, we understand. Take a few moments, just fill out a connect card. Uh, th- those are in the bulletins that you received when you walked in this morning. Let us know how we can get in contact with you, how we can pray for you, and how we can uh, maybe just help answer some of your questions. Uh, But for those who trust in Christ, who believe that good news, who believe that Christ is Emmanuel, God with us, we invite you to come forward this morning. So if you're serving communion this morning, please come on up and and, uh, take your places. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body.